0: Welcome to Business Done Differently, where baseball team owner turned showman Jesse Cole speaks with successful entrepreneurs who stand out in business and in life by thinking differently and challenging the status quo. We believe whatever is normal, do the exact opposite, and that normal gets normal results. If you want to stand out and be different, this one's for you.
1: Today's guest is the man, the myth, the legend, and the one that is known around the world as the CEO whisperer, Cameron Harold. Cameron helped build two $100 million companies, including driving 1-800 gut junk, spectacular growth from $2 million to $106 million in just six years. He's a marketing and PR expert and has helped his companies land over 5,200 media placements, including coverage on Oprah and on thousands of Starbucks cups. His books, Vivid Vision, Miracle Morning for Entrepreneurs, Meeting Suck, and Double Double have all become bestsellers around the world. Cameron's purpose is simple, to help you exceed your vision. So today, we're going to do just that. Cameron, welcome to Business Done Differently. Hey, Jesse, thanks for having me. It's funny that you
2: dug up the old Starbucks quote story. That was a long time ago. I think we ended up on about 7 million Starbucks cups North America-wide
1: for free. Wow, 7 million. I was way off in the thousands, but you're right. Absolutely amazing. And I and I love that stuff. I mean, we'll get into the kind of the creating PR, but you know, I think we both believe that attention beats marketing. And when you can create attention, a lot of amazing things can happen. Oh, for sure. Excellent. Well, I got to go for me, the personal, the vivid vision. And I know you started with it in Double Double, and you mentioned in Miracle Morning for Entrepreneurs, but then came out with the book. And for all the listeners, that hit me right between the eyes. And I spent three weeks during the summer crafting out this vision, writing on the beach every morning, and now I'm working with a group to publish it. Can you share with the listeners how this happened? I know 100 got junk and, you know, how you were able to implement it.
2: Sure. So the basic idea with the Vivid Vision, and yeah, we covered it in Double Double, The Miracle Morning for Entrepreneurs, and then my third book was called Vivid Vision. The whole idea is that most entrepreneurs have an idea in their mind of what their company looks like in the future, but at best, they give their employees a one-sentence mission statement, and the employees have no idea what they're supposed to be building. So the idea is to kind of lean out into the future three years and describe everything you see around your company three years from now. So you describe the meeting rhythms, the employees, the culture. You describe what the media is writing about you, what your customers are saying about you. you almost as if you're standing in the middle of your company three years from now, December 31st, and you describe what you see. You end up with a four- or five-page written document describing your company in its future state, not talking about how you made it happen, but
1: describing it in its finished state. And I think what's amazing for me, it was one of the most inspirational exercises anybody can ever do. And now we're obviously in infancy and we've just written it. How did you get everyone on board? How did you implement this? Because obviously you started with 100 Gut Junk and scaled the company to unbelievable lengths. how did you get everyone on board?
2: Yeah, so once you have your rough draft as the entrepreneur, you know, you get your four page Word document version of it. You pass it off to a really good copywriter. I've got a couple that I refer people to all the time. I think you're working with one of them now, Jennifer. <laughs> but the basic idea is that you really want a professional copywriter to make it pop off the page. Then you add some of your design elements to it. So it really feels like your brand. And then you start giving it to everyone. You give a copy of it to every employee. You give a copy of it to every potential employee. You give a copy of it to every customer. You know, in your case, you'd be giving it to copies of your fans. You, mm. you give a copy of it to your. Lawyer, your banker, your accountant, you know all of your suppliers, everyone gets a copy of what your future looks like, and you ask them to read it every three months. Mm-hmm. And that way, everyone's thinking about the future, but they're acting on today.
1: What did you start seeing when when you started sending this to everyone? What happened? They start actually coming up with some of their own
2: ideas of what the future could look like. They also start seeing some real value in their work, right? So they start understanding why they're working on specific projects or why certain initiatives are important. They start seeing a lot more value in their day-to-day work mm-hmm. because they see what part of the future
1: Vivivision Vision is making come true. You know, it's interesting. And for all the listeners, I first shared the idea of the Vivid Vision with our group during a staff chat morning meeting, and you could see the excitement. And again, I think us as entrepreneurs and you as well, Cameron, we think big. We have these dreams of where we want to be and where we want to take it, but we don't really, we can't really articulate it that well. But once we shared it and they started seeing, I saw this unbelievable energy from the staff. It's like, okay, now this all makes sense. Is that what happened when you've worked with these companies?
2: Yeah. And they're also a lot more excited to build something in the future than they are to look at the company as it exists today. You know, today, today isn't inspiring. It's just today. And it's great, but it's just today. We all want to work towards something, whether we're building a jigsaw puzzle, whether we're building a home, whether we're building a better life, whether we're building a better family, we always are striving to build something. You know, it gives us some focus and some excitement and energy in our day. Yeah.
1: Well, it gives us purpose. I mean, you think about it. If everyone just thinks they're going through their nine to five, and I talk about this in my book, Find Your Yellow Tux, you know, you're putting out fires and you're going through busy work. I'm sure even if it's not the most profound purpose in the world, it's still purpose for the employees. Exactly. And so it's it's kind of the story of those three bricklayers that are making bricks. They
2: asked the one guy, what are you doing? He said, I make bricks. Second guy, what are you doing? I'm making a wall and I'm actually making the bricks to build the wall. And I said to the third guy, what are you doing? He said, I'm building a cathedral to worship God and we're building the left wall of the cathedral and I get to make the bricks to build that wall. Mm, They're all making bricks, but one guy sees the bigger picture and I think that's part of it. The other thing that happens is people start conspiring to help make it come true. You know, they start seeing little things. They'll be like, Oh, I know the guy that can make this happen. Or I know the girl that can introduce us to, you know, to make this part come true or, or, you know, can I work together with these three people to make this sentence complete? And they just start seeing
1: one sentence at a time the whole vivid vision starts to unfold. I love that. You know, and a fascinating thing you talk about too, which I don't think enough companies discuss and it's about creating entrepreneurs. You know, I always think about our employees and our people. It's like, how can we get them to own the outcome, own the result? And I think this is probably a step. And what else have you seen, you know, creating entrepreneurs in the business that you've built or worked with? What do you mean by that and creating them? Like creating you know, you mentioned this a little bit in double double, but you're getting people to think creatively about the business. I think you gave an example of a woman who knew that they wanted to save based on sticky notes and pens and they started going throughout the whole office and trying to find all them in drawers and empty out drawers, but you're creating people to actually take ownership in the vision of the company.
2: Yeah. So once people see that you know, they understand what the business looks and feels like, they see themselves as taking part of that bigger picture. They also start understanding their impact on the PL. They start treating the company as if they're part owners in it. Even if they don't have equity, they just treat it in a different way. They see the bigger picture. So we had people all the time that were coming in with cost savings initiatives. One woman come up to me one day and she wanted to replace all the bottled water that we were getting delivered to the office with this filtration system. And we ended up saving about $3,000 a month. We had 240 employees at the office. That was a lot of water that we were going through. We had somebody else that contacted FedEx and, negotiated a, a big corporate discount for us and we had no idea but fedex gave us about a 35 percent corporate discount that was huge savings when we were shipping stuff out to our franchisees we also had marketing ideas you know the girl andrea baxter who came up with the idea of being on the sides of starbucks cups this was back around 2003 when starbucks was running a campaign on the sides of their cups called the way i see it and it was quotes from famous people and she put up on the wall in our office we had this wall called the can you imagine wall she said can you imagine 1-800-GOT-JUNK on the sides of Starbucks cups. And she contacted Starbucks, started working with them on it. They agreed to do it, but they didn't want the name. They just wanted to say Brian Scudamore Entrepreneur. Mm. And she said, no, it needed to say the company name. And sure enough, they said, okay, and we were on I think we were cup number 70 in that campaign and we were on about 7 million cups North
1: America wide. Love it. Fascinating. The Can You Imagine Wall, I, I shared that with our staff and our Fans First director and you could see they just got really excited about that. Can you give some other examples of what people have put on Can You Imagine Walls or other companies doing it? Because I think getting yeah. your employees to dream a little bit is a really special thing.
2: I have dozens and dozens and dozens of companies that have done them since. but The one I can clearly remember our own because I saw it every day. You would walk in the front door and right in front of you was this massive wall that said can you imagine and it had about 30 or 40 quotes from or ideas from different employees so things like Could you imagine 1-800-GOT-JUNK being a case study at Harvard Business School could you imagine doing waves standing out waving at traffic with signs out in front of the White House the Sydney Opera House and Parliament Building in Canada could you imagine being on Oprah and all of those happened all three
1: of those happened <laughs> you know, it's amazing it's so- Go on. We've been in a case study at Harvard for 13 years. <laughs> you know, it's almost like, have you familiar with the book, Write It Down, Make It Happen?
2: No, but that's pretty much what this is.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, you teach everyone, once they start putting it down on paper and seeing it over and over again, they just kind of make it come to life. And it's fascinating. I wonder why companies wouldn't look to do this. And it's going back to the thing. It's getting ownership from the employees and getting them to feel like they're a part of something as opposed to just being task rabbits.
2: Well, it also goes back to a lot of the quantum physics that, you know, conceive, believe and achieve. When you can actually see the idea and feel it, then you start to actually work in that direction and the momentum starts to create
1: momentum. hundred oh, percent. I also love to office environments. I know you're working with tons of different companies. What are some things that stood out either for you and the companies that you've worked with directly, but the office environment, you know, I love the stories about naming the different offices, having fun parties. And, but what are some things that you've seen? Because I think it's crucial to have a culture built on a, an amazing office environment.
2: Yeah, for sure. Getting rid of all the private offices so that everyone works on the floor with everyone, you know, turn any of the offices into meeting rooms, but have everyone sitting out with everyone else. Mm -hmm. Getting rid of any of the blinds or wood doors so that it's all glass doors, glass windows, even in the meeting rooms, no blinds on those windows or doors so that people can see through everything. There shouldn't be any secrets or anything hidden. Mm -hmm. If you really need to do something, get off site for a half hour or an hour. And then really let the walls talk. And I think a lot of companies are good with the furniture and some of the decorating and the open environment. But all of those blank walls that just sit there can really speak. And it's amazing what
1: you can do with vinyl sayings and logos and art to really make the walls come to life. Mm. I was thinking with the vivid vision, Cameron, actually setting up almost like some parts of it, like giant movie posters and having them throughout the office with visuals, but with a few of the things that stand out just to have it in front. Because again, you know, there's, oh, it's just on the wall. But if you have things that are actually very visual and that stand out that people resonate with, it can make an impact.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And even some of your positive sayings, like you guys have really branded a lot of your phrases, putting some of those phrases up and around so they become start of the vernacular of the company.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, we have fans first all over the office and you can't, I mean, everything is fans first for us. So that's what they see. We actually, when you go out from the office onto the stadium, similar to uh, Rudy or Notre Dame, there's a big fans first way that we hit when we go out into the office, out into (laughs) the stadium, which is pretty cool. I was
2: with a business friend of mine the other day and he goes, hang on a second, Rudy's calling me. And I go, Rudy, like, Rudy, Rudy? And he goes, yeah, yeah, we're friends. I'm like, that's ridiculous.
1: Oh, that's awesome. Oh, that's awesome. I absolutely love it. Is there anything crazy you've seen? As you know, you're talking to a guy in a yellow tuxedo. Is there anything crazy that you've seen in offices that you're like, that is nuts, but I love it?
2: Wow, anything crazy I've seen in offices? I mean, obviously the slides, right, going from different floors. I've seen a fireman's pole going between the floors, the scooters and segues and that kind of stuff to get around larger offices. Yeah, I don't think there's anything that is really crazy anymore. You know, Hootsuite here in Vancouver, I used to lead their strategic planning meetings. Hootsuite has decorated the inside of their offices like a ski cabin, so there's you know gondolas and chairlifts and things like that to sit on. I don't know if anything. No, those are
1: good. I just think it's fascinating because if you can. Oh
2: yeah, I know a good one. RackSpace actually took a mall. They bought a shopping mall. And they turned the shopping mall into their head office with about 1.7 million square feet. And they kept the escalators between floors. And they also kept the uh, food court sign. When you're walking along, the food court is where all their food is served. And that was kind of cool to see
1: a shopping mall converted. That's awesome. Well, I think there's a huge thing to say about having your people proud of where they work. I mean, we took over an abandoned storage building that the former team took everything out to cut the phone lines, to cut the internet lines. We were working on an old picnic table in the storage building, but we've been able to paint it and do it up. But, you know, we're ready for that next level, which we're talking about in the vision. And I'm just always blown away by people that can create some really nice office spaces. But I digress. I want to go into Cameron a little bit. You talk about, One Here I got junk, but also some of the other companies. A lot of the ones that you've worked with and created these visions have been named some of the best companies to work for. And yeah. you mentioned I love rewards, some of the cool things they're doing. But what are some of the things that you've seen, maybe some stories that the companies that are really standing out with this work environment?
2: I'll give you two. So currently I, you know, I coach the current number 2 and number 12 company to work for on Glassdoor. And I've coached them for years since before anyone really heard of them. So two things that they're doing. One of them, so the uh, the current number 12 company to work for on Glassdoor is called Acceleration Partners. They are an entirely remote work environment. So 85 full-time employees currently, and they're 100% remote. So no one works from an office. They've done an amazing job at leveraging technology, doing all of their calls over video. They have times during the week where employees are all sitting on Zoom working beside each other, even though they're not in the office, not even necessarily talking to each other, but just so they can all see each other tapping away on their keyboards. (laughs) You know, they've done a really good job with some of the retreats and they pick secondary cities and secondary markets to fly their employees into to have their retreats at. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they book a bunch of Airbnbs on the same street and they run sessions together. Awesome. So I think they've looked for ways to really leverage and they take the money that they're saving on office space they put that into culture.
1: Awesome.
2: And then the other one is Elite SEM and, and I've coached them from around 40 employees. They're at 330 now. They're doing an acquisition spree. They're a big digital marketing agency. They're operating in about six cities. Each of their offices has a wine rack. A huge, you know, the New York office has a massive wall wine rack filled with Bordeaux's and Burgundies. And any time an employee gets a phone call or an email from a recruiter trying to poach them away, all they do is forward the message or um, let their boss listen to the message. And you know, clearly they're never leaving anyway. But then they walk over to the wall and they take a bottle of wine and they kind of laugh at they're really laughing at the recruiters because it's like I would never leave, but thank you for calling me. I just got another
1: bottle of wine. Here. <laughs> That's awesome. And I don't think they've had an employee quit in nine years. Oh, that's amazing. Well, it's the transparency, too. I mean, they're unbelievably transparent. And we just had someone that left the top cruise line to become our director of fun. And he's had, in the first six months, two other offers to work on some big opportunities. And he's let us know. He goes, I don't want to leave. But he's transparent about that. And I think that's amazing. We fortunate. we have had zero voluntary turnover in, in, since we've started as well. And it's tough, Cameron. When you have millennials, people in their 20s. I just saw the statistic the other day. People are leaving a job every 13 months if they're under 30 years old right now.
2: Yeah, I said they're loyal for six months and they're loyal project to project six weeks at a time. I was just talking to a big group of CEOs that I was speaking at yesterday and saying that Gen Y is really loyal six week projects at a time. And they're really loyal to a company for six months at a time.
1: That's there. So how can you not invest in the culture in the workplace? And that's what I, I was so excited in the aha moment with the vision. It's like, we have a lot of fun in the office. I mean, obviously, we're all about the entertainment here with our teams, but we got to show them where we're going. So I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. And I, I want to uh, go into your next project, which uh, the free PR and I've been seeing all over Facebook, a lot of people excited. I know you got uh, asked to put this book together many years ago, correct?
2: Yeah, it was actually Vern Harnish, who was the founder of the Entrepreneurs' Organization. He asked me to write a book on free PR because I was so good at generating it. And we'd done it for so many companies that I'd built over the years. It wasn't the first one that I wanted to get out the door. So I had started working on it. I'm actually an advisor to Tucker Max and his book and a company. They're now called Scribe. I worked with Tucker. Yes, he was outstanding. Great guy. (laughs) It's actually interesting. One of my former CEOs that I used to coach, Adrian from Canvas Pop, he and I were chatting about the book and he asked if he could co-author it with me and I jumped at the chance because he's amazing in the digital marketing space and digital PR space. So the fact that I coached him and he was so good at generating PR, we decided to co-author it together.
1: It's coming out in December. Awesome. So, can you give us a little tease? Because, I mean, I got to say, from the listeners who know what we've done, you know, as a lowest level college summer team to be able to sell at every game, it's all about attention. From naming the team, the bananas, to having a senior citizen dance team, the banana nanas, to literally selling Dolce and banana underwear at our stadium, it's all about attention. I'd love to hear some things that you've done that any of the entrepreneurs can use as well.
2: Yeah. Well, here's the real basic of it all. At the end of the day, every single journalist woke up this morning and is sitting at their desk thinking, what the hell am I going to write about today? (laughs) Every day they have to come up with a new story and all of the companies and PR firms that are pitching them are sending them news wires and press releases and emails. So they're getting bombarded with hundreds and hundreds of these things. How do you stand out from that? Well, What we do is we pick up the phone Hmm. and we phone them in the morning and we say, Hey, it's Cameron calling. Do you have a couple minutes? I think I have a good story for you. And they all say one of two things. No, I'm on a deadline. At which point you say, great, can I call you on Tuesday or Thursday? Or they say, yeah what is it go ahead and you tell them the story idea with a couple bullet points you've literally cut through all the clutter and then people say oh you don't journalists don't want you to call them that's okay they're gonna forget you called in four days anyway (laughs) but you literally can generate so much media and i've been in you know so many people are like oh i was in forbes magazine no you were on forbes online written by an independent freelance writer i was actually in the physical print edition of forbes magazine a full article 18 months ago i've been in fortune magazine american airlines magazine like the physical print edition That carries way more cachet and way more weight than just being on the website. Mm -hmm. And you end up on the website as well. So we're trying to teach people how to generate real press and then also how to leverage it. The second key, I think, would be to remember that when you get an article written about you or a story written about you or if you're on TV, it's only a few people that really see it. The key is now to amplify that. When we built 1-800-GOT-JUNK, we landed 5,200 stories about our company in six years. And Facebook came out the year after I left. <laughs> right? So, we had to know how to amplify the PR before we had the opportunity of social media.
1: I want to know too, like, but it has to go with the story. I mean, you can call a reporter and say, cover us, but you know, I would say, whatever's normal, do the exact opposite. And we try to get people to cover stories because we're doing something so not normal with everyone else. Do you have any tips that you've used to saying, hey, you got to actually have something unique to pitch? It's sometimes it's unique, but it's amazing
2: that there's two aspects of the media. One is if it bleeds, it leads. So that's kind of the interesting urgent type story. But the second one is there's no such thing as investigative journalism every day. So as long as you understand their target audience, if you understand who they write for. So as an example, let's say I was pitching the business story about the COO know, I've launched the only network of its kind in the world for the second in command. Mm -hmm. So there's all these groups for entrepreneurs like Mastermind Talks and YPO and EO. But where does their second in command go? So if I wanted to get a story about the COO Alliance, if I was pitching the Wall Street Journal, Forbes magazine, Fortune magazine, Entrepreneur magazine, Inc magazine, the USA Today's Money section, they're all very, very different business audiences. Mm. So I need to understand if I'm calling the Boston Globe's business section versus a writer who writes for Forbes magazine, how I'm going to not spin it in the bad way, but how I spin my story to fit their audience. I think that's the key is understanding the target audience who you're pitching and why your story matters to their reader. So at the end of the day, they want good stories.
1: Mm. And it's doing research. It's putting the time. it going to say, cover me, cover me, cover me. Hey, here's why. I know this is what your readers, your listeners, I've noticed this. This could tie in with this and being prepared to make that pitch.
2: Correct. But right. I can now pitch that same business story about the CEO of Alliance to 50 major newspapers. Uh-huh. You know, the Chicago Tribune, Dallas Morning News, New York Times, Wall Street Journal. I can pitch it to every one of those. I could pitch it to every business radio talk show. I could pitch it to every business e-zine, podcaster, blogger. I can get it covered 50 times before that story gets tired. No, I love it. I love it. A lot of people are always looking for the next angle. It's like, oh, I just got covered. I need another angle. No, pitch the same darn story for the next <laughs> six months until you're sick of it.
1: Exactly. There's no one sick of it yet. No, 100%. And before we get into some rapid fire rounds, is there one more tip you would give for someone that's trying to generate some free PR?
2: Yeah. It's, don't overthink it. Like Every company has five core business stories. You know, you've know, you got your overcoming adversity story. You've got your lesson from the edge. You have your why you started your company story, like whatever you left to start this up. Maybe you have your culture story and maybe you have your leveraging technology story. Those are five core angles that media are always looking for.
1: Oh, that's outstanding. All right. Beautiful. Ninth inning here. Flip the script, Cameron. This is a fun game. You become the host of Business Done Differently and you can ask me one question.
2: Yeah, I wanted to ask you about titles. You've got some interesting job titles, like the director of fun, and I want to know how they fit into an org chart so that your employees can see who reports to who. Is it based on, you know, a director reports to a VP or does fun report to culture? Like, how do they see where they fit? Because at the end of the day, titles are great, but they're also people still are hardwired to understand where we fit into a group, a society or a cohort.
1: Great question. First of all, we eliminated all managers. We don't have general managers, assistant managers, because we believe people want to be led. They don't want to be managed. So we have no managers. We have a president and then we have a vice president and then we have our directors, director of first impressions, our fans, first director, our director of fun They are in that next level. So we have a leadership group. We went from four full-time people. Now we have 15 year round full-time and about 150 part-time throughout our season. So basically, the org chart is myself, the owner, the president, VP, and then the directors. But we're very close to it, And obviously, as scaling, you know, we're going to have to try to develop more of that. But right now, it's pretty simple for us. The directors work with the vice president. We have a leadership team that does everything from there. I don't know if that answers the question.
2: Yeah, that's good. So you do have a visual and there is an org chart. I always try to get companies to flip their org chart upside down so that the president is at the bottom supporting the VPs who are supporting the directors who are supporting our fans. And kind of the vivid vision is at the top and everybody can see where we're going. But if that way, you're kind of you're leading versus
1: telling people what to do and holding them
2: accountable, hire accountable
1: people. No, I love that. And I always say, you know, your people don't work for you. You work for your people. And I'm trying to always teach that. So I I love that. Beautiful. Now, I know you obviously have interviewed, spoke to so many different people over the years in business. And I believe if you want better answers in business, you need to ask better questions. What are some of the other best questions that you're asking these days?
2: One is me just putting myself into the best groups. Like I'm really putting myself and positioning myself to spend time with the right groups of CEOs. So I'm starting to attend a group called War Room. I'm in the Genius Network. I've just finished five years with Mastermind Talks. I'm not going to this year's one, unfortunately, but go to the main TED conference every year. So I kind of believe if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. So just me being, you know, deeper into the TED community is important, right? Getting to know some of the bigger players in that community is important. And then it's going in and asking leadership questions. So really understanding why do they do certain things and how are they doing certain things and just trying to understand versus me coming in with all the answers.
1: Yeah. The why is the sounds like the key. So you're asking why a lot. Yeah. Excellent. Love it. All right. Tool time. What's the most important tool that you have in your business toolbox?
2: I'll give you a really basic one that I think has massive impact. So my daily accountability partner is a guy named Joe Polish. Joe um, started a group called the Genius Network. He's the largest donor to Richard Branson's charities. And Joe and I set our daily goals together using an app called Commit to Three. So every day we write down our top three goals. We share them using this simple app. It connects with nothing. All it does is it focuses on the three big things we're going to get done.
1: Love it. Love it. Yeah. I've heard you talk about that since. I think everybody needs an accountability partner and uh, commit to three. And it's it's a cheap app, right? Yeah, it's like $3 a year. (laughs) I think we all can afford that. Beautiful. Cameron, the last final two here. What's one thing you've done in your life to stand out in business?
2: One thing I've done in my life, it's got to be PR. You know, I think really, really leveraging PR and using PR to build my brand. I mean, I can stand there and tell people how good I am. But when the press talks about it, then everyone knows it's true. Mm, Huge. Beautiful.
1: And finally, how do you want to be remembered?
2: Mm, probably is a good dad. I'm really, really more focused on my kids than anything. You know, everything else I do in the business world is kind of bonus time for me. Uh, but I've got two boys that are 17 and 15. You know, one of them just walked out the door in the middle of the interview, but I got up early enough to be able to make him breakfast and make sure he was dressed and off to school. And my second one is getting up as this interview finishes, just kind of being there and connecting with them, staying present with them, keeping my cell phone put away. So I'm actually having good conversations and really connecting with them and being open and honest with them Mm -hmm. Um, and starting to really be radically open with them as well Mm.
1: it's great advice there i just had my first four months ago maverick so I'm, i'm in a dad role and it's changed perspective on everything what's most important it's nothing's more important from what we realize so and not many people answer that question they think about their legacy and more in the sense of what they've accomplished not necessarily being a great dad so Uh, really goes full circle here, Cameron. And I I can't tell you again, how much of an impact your books made on me and this business. There's very few books that immediately I implement and put into action. And you did that. And I know you're making that influence all over the world. So thank you so much for your time and everything you're doing to help entrepreneurs.
2: Thanks, Jesse. Appreciate it, man. I really appreciate being on the show and say hi to all my friends that are over at Mastermind Talks when you're there next week too. My sister will actually be there. She's going for her second one.
1: Oh, excellent. What's her name? Christy Harold. All right. I'll definitely meet her. Excellent. Cameron, yeah. thanks so much. I know you got to go, but man, I really appreciate you and uh, hope we can stay in touch. Thanks, Jesse. Take care. See you, See you later. See you.
0: Bye. Thank you for listening to Business Done Differently with Jesse Cole, the Yellow Tux Guy. If you love the show, let Jesse know by leaving a review on iTunes or sending him an email at jesse at for more information on the guest and topics of this episode, visit findyouryellowtux.com. Until next time, stop standing still, start standing out.